Hey, JP. What? I have a really important question for you. What? I have an important question for you. What is it? Why is the rum always gone? Because I drink the shit out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I had to bring this up for our topic today. But before we get into that, uh, this is Spooky You Podcast. Hey, how's it going? We're talking about legends, lore, spooky, true crime, all things dark, macabre, and you're here because you love it. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Allie. And I'm the other first to meet, JP. Guess what we're talking about today? The Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman. It's going to be a good time. This is going to be, we have got ghosts. We have got operas. We we have have got got boats. We've got terrible ship designs. Yes. So. And I'm not doing a lot of talking, so I'm excited about this one. (laughs) I get to sit back, relax, and JP gets to talk. Yep, because this one is for as much as I wish I could say for spooky stories, a lot of history. Yeah, but that's really cool, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the fun of this is that you get to learn about the history behind a lot of these myths and how they came to be. So, right. Dutchman. Ships. Dutchman. Legend. Ready? Go. I'm going to start us off. Okay. So the actual legend of the Flying Dutchman, there's a few versions. Uh, we're going to go through them, and then JP is going to rip them apart, because that's what he does. He destroys everything. So the Flying Dutchman, <laughs> he doesn't. You're a really... great picture of me right now. <laughs> you're good at what you do, man. Thank you. Um, the Flying Dutchman was a sea captain. So this is legend version number one. Uh, was a sea captain who found himself struggling to round the Cape of Good Hope during a horrific storm. Uh, Cape of Good Hope being the tip of Africa. Yes. Yes. Particularly the most southern tip. The most, well. There's, we'll get into that a little bit, but there's multiple tips. There are at multiple the end of tips. Af- at this, multiple this, this tips of Africa. the southern tip of Africa. Yes, the most southern. There's the second most southern. Second, mo- what? Okay. You know what? <laughs> I don't know. All right. So <laughs> I was about to make a reference to Shark Week because I'm pretty sure that they film like a lot of the Shark Week stuff down there. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So that that is where I was thinking. Okay, yep. good. So anyway, back to the Flying Dutchman. He was struggling to round the Cape of Good Hope during a horrific storm. He swore that he would succeed even if he had to sail until Judgment Day. Well, the devil heard him. He heard what he said, and he said, hey, buddy, I'm going to take you up on that. So the the Dutchman was condemned to stay at sea forever, thanks to our buddy the devil. Uh, his only salvation was to find a woman who loved him enough to declare herself faithful to the Dutchman for life. I love how also in other versions of this story, it's an actual angel. Uh, yeah, I did hear that, too, that it could be an angel. Which, that's got to suck for the crew, because you're in this terrible storm, and then you see, hallelujah, and he goes, I'll take you up on that bet. Yeah, and also, this dude is literally making decisions for the entire crew. So, obviously, not good leadership. Maybe he should have read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> that's just a shout-out to my dad, because he's been trying to make me read that forever, and I actually need to do it. So... Anyway, back to the legend. To top it off, uh, he could only stop sailing once every seven years to go ashore to search for his true love. So that's one version of the legend. We have another version of the legend here uh, stating that a fight broke out between the captain and the rebel group on the vessel over the captain's decision to continue through the storm, which ended in the murder of the rebel leader. Which, fun fact, this would be called a mutiny. This is called a mutiny. As the rebel leader's body hit the water, 
The ship spoke to the captain about his decision. Yes, the ship spoke. You heard that right. To the captain about his decision to press on. And the captain replied, because we're talking to ships now, that he would be attempting to reach his destination until the end of the day of judgment. So again, judgment day theme going on here. This incident led to the fate of the Flying Dutchman to sail the seas for eternity with a ghostly crew. So a couple things kind of to add on here. Uh, there are some who say that the crew of the ship is cursed because of the severe criminal actions conducted on board, which include murder and piracy. Um, there is one theory that suggests that a 17th century uh, Frisian-bound Dutch captain named Bernard Falk, F-O-K-K-E, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Who's Falk? Yeah, Falk. Yeah, Falk. Yeah. It's okay. like the like the not World like War meet II. the Fockers. Uh, no, it's like a kind of. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, supposedly he sailed for the East Indian Trading Company. He was a captain, and it's noted that he sailed great distances at incredible speeds. His journey from Dutch harbors to Java, India, took him ten days, which normally takes around three months. So, do you mind if I go ahead and use my ship and blow the first hole in this myth? Well, hold on, because <laughs> oh wait. Oh, okay. what? I, Do you I have had... the cannonball ready? Yeah. You're ready to go? Aww. You're pulling the, pulling the string? Yeah. It's going to fire back? Okay. So actually, um, it's like the, the fast trips that, you know, go along with the legend of this particular captain, that's people believe that he was supposedly working with the devil, possibly an angel, according to some of your versions of the legends here. Um, and that didn't really sit well with them. So that's those are some of the versions of the legend of the Flying Dutchman. We're laying the groundwork, and now we're ready for uh, Professor Brain over here to take it away. So the reason why I say that uh, kind of the first issue with that is that Bernard Falk's uh, story, well, first of all, there's really no records that ever show that somebody made the trip in that time. Well, no, because this is back in like, what What did I say, 17, well, 17th century? You got to remember, though, that this is during a time when trading was still pretty big and a lot of... And there were still logbooks. There were still uh, records of shipments and supplies. Yeah. So the fact that nobody has records that show the ship made it the trip that fast is highly unusual, especially because a lot of the myths about it where he was making these uh, runs during the timeline do not line up with, um, for example, they claim that there was a statue of him in Java in modern day in uh, Batvia, modern-day Jakarta, and it was destroyed by the English in 1808. But this doesn't really line up because the British didn't take over that area until 1811. So call back to one of our previous episodes about the squonk. Yeah. When you were talking in that episode about, um, you know, possibly the, the squonk being created from the minds of people that are essentially locked into one area for an extended period of time with not a lot else to do other than to come up with stories. Do we think that maybe this is kind of something similar to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is, I mean, if there's one thing everybody knows is that sailors have tall tales. So sailors do have tall tales. It's not entirely impossible that somebody making that trip in four to in 10 days was, you know, just a was a sailor's uh, story. And let's be real, time's a construct. It could have felt like 10 days, but it could have been 10 months. Yep. Now, here's the kind of curious thing about the Flying Dutchman is that there's really not a great, there's 
no um, consensus on when this was first made or how far back this story goes. A true legend, I guess. Yes. That's what I, a true, true legend. A legend through and through. Legend through and through. So one of the first ones I found was in 1790, an Irishman by the name of George Barrington, who was sentenced to a penal colony in Australia for a robbery. Sounds a little harsh. Yeah, a little, just a little bit harsh. I mean, we're talking about the 1790s with Irish during the royal kingdom. There was not a great... Not Ir- a great time to, to be... Okay. Irish, no. No, no, they, no. There's a whole lot of things that we could go into the potato famine, which uh, watch Extra History's potato famine stories on YouTube. How do you have so much knowledge in that brain of yours? Uh, well, it's not very well organized, so I just kind <laughs> do you of... you have like a lot of tabs open? And yeah. One, one yeah. of them's glitching. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's why everyone's so surprised, because I just look like I don't have it together. So... Uh, <laughs> That's so accurate. So this is... Uh, yeah, so there was a lot of um, kind of racial issues between yeah. the British and Irish. But yeah, we brought anyway, that back down. But back quick. to the Dutchman. Back so, to the Dutchman. Uh, he wrote, it later would be accredited with a few stories, a voyage to New South Wales and a trip to Botany Bay. And during one of these uh, stories, he talks about speaking with uh, sailors about uh, two Dutch ships that sailed around the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, during the storm, one sank with all hands. The second ship survived and sailed back to England. When that second ship made the return voyage around the Cape of Good Hope, uh, they were again caught in the storm, and sailors on that ship claimed to have witnessed their former companionship sailing alongside for a brief moment. Since then, sailors referred to the ghostly ship as the Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. However, it should be noted that George Barrington's name is used by authors in the mid-19th century as kind of like a pen name, and numerous Irish news sources and Australian academics uh, affirm that uh, George Barrington never personally wrote any of these stories. Nice. So it's possible that these were kind of written much later after the fact. So someone really is just profiting off this name, essentially. Like, this name is closely associated with the legend of the Flying Dutchman. I'm going to use this as a pen name in order to sell more stories. Hashtag capitalism. Quite possibly, yes. Okay, so, cool. Uh, another source claims that the first written sighting of the Flying Dutchman was by John McDonald's uh, Travels. Any relation to McDonald's hamburgers? No. And I kid you not, this is the name of the book. Travels in curious parts of Europe, Asia, and Africa during a series of 30 years and upwards. Again, if we call back to the Squonk episode, um, fantastic, curious beasts of the northern woodlands, whatever. These books back in the day had very long names. Written in 1790. So, yep. Uh, However, in this version, again, uh, no ship names or dates were given. uh, Because there are none. Yes, and so this has kind of been roughly pointed to as one of the earliest uses of the term Flying Dutchman. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other things, too, is you talked about this whole concept of uh, the Dutchman needing to find true love. Which, yes. I mean, I, I mean everyone I needs to find true. No, I'm kidding. Well, find true love within yourself. I mean, I guess kind of the, love. Well, I guess the thing that I always wondered about with that is when you think about it, is it's kind of like this dude's really intense about his job being a sea captain. Yeah. And they're kind of like, dude, either you're gonna sail for eternity, or you need to calm the fuck down and get a girlfriend. Or both. Yeah. Because so, uh, you know the one it, version of the legend didn't really have a choice. Like you got to come back and look for her, but it was only every seven years. Yeah. So that 
that kind of struck me as kind of odd as to where the sudden idea of true love came from. Mm-hmm. And actually, it comes from a uh, opera. An opera? Yes, we're going to the theater. We're going to the theater. Yes. It's a lovely day for the theater. Well, anyway, so in 1843, the opera of the Flying Dutchman, or Der Fliegen Allender in, in German. Dear Lord. Yeah, if we haven't we, made we it clear. We are not German. No, no actually, but this, we are. That's pretty bad. And it was written by Richard Wagner. Good, you got the so. name right. <laughs> Sorry, but if I'm just saying, look. Our editor, Chris, is my boyfriend. He is a musician. He's also into sound editing. He got his degree. He's extremely intelligent, extremely knowledgeable. He's the whole reason this podcast sounds very nice. He is the whole reason that the first two episodes sounded like crap, but now they sound great because he got us the proper equipment. But aside the point, he obviously knows operas, composers very, very well. And if JP even decided to attempt to say Wagner incorrectly... We would have heard absolute. We would be down one co-host. Yeah, we. Yeah, he he would not be helping us anymore. So, <laughs> uh, so Wagner's inspiration for uh, this opera that he created, The Flying Dutchman, came from the tales that he heard from sailors while on a stormy crossing from Riga to London in August of 1839. Is that Riga, Latvia? Probably. Okay. Uh, so, in addition to this source, uh, Wagner also credited the basis of his operas to another one called The Memoirs of Mr. Von Oh Shit. Oh no. Schnecken Abel Lofsky? And I have what? My, I specifically have in my notes, hell no, am I translating that to German? Because when I looked at that, it Is was. Is that like, like an English translation? Yeah. So, Say it again. The Memoirs of Mr. Von Schnecken Abel Lutsky? You should just give up now. Of course. Yeah, that's not even the German translation. Oh, that's just God. the name. Oh, God. So it was written by Heinrich Heinz. And in Heinz's story, uh, the sea captain is forced to sail for all time until he finds true love. A lot of love. Uh, yeah, so that's where this whole, that's where kind of our modern day idea of the he needs to find true love comes from this very famous opera yeah. that was inspired by another one, by another ghost ship. A lot of ghost ship operas. A lot of ghost ship operas, but you know what? That makes them really interesting. Yeah, so he's given, so in, Heinrich, in Heinz's uh, story, he's given the chance once every seven years and to go and find true love. Now, Heinz describes the captain as a wandering Jew as to that relation. Yikes. As yeah, to like that, why, why I, did he do that? That's yeah. I actually have no information on that. Yeah. So, however, Heinz wrote his version to be more ironic as opposed to the more serious and intense version of Wagner. Wagner. Uh, Wagner. Say it right. We're gonna Wagner's. lose. We're gonna lose an editor. More serious, more serious version. So, for example, uh, as far as dating go, Heinz's sets the Dutch flying Dutchman. Around between 1689 to 1702, during the time of William of Orange, in a painting I'm in sorry, the show. I'm sorry, wait, William of what? Orange. Orange. Yeah, do you want... Uh, I can get into later about a history of William of Orange. I think he no, was... No, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay, if I vaguely remember right, he was a Dutch royalty who was brought over to be the new king of England. Do you just have, like, the whole history of the world in your brain? Uh, like, do poss- you? Because I'm sitting here, like, I don't know any of this shit. I'm trying. Somebody could totally... I could be thinking of somebody entirely different, but... If I, you're gonna I, correct us, be nice. Please. Thank you. I'm doing my best here. He's doing great. During, like, you're doing awesome. Okay, so... Uh, and one of the things that was very interesting too was I think in Wagner's version, mm-hmm. if I remember right, the woman that he ends up falling in love with actually had a 
in the opera, she had an obsession with the legend of the Dutchman herself, and apparently used to fond over a painting of the Dutchman. You can kind of see where he's playing off of Heinz. Okay. And apparently didn't initially recognize when the sea captain came in that was the actual flying Dutchman. And she was just like, you're a man of the sea. You have my heart. I want to be an old woman who sits at a bar with all of my jewelry on waiting for my wayward sailor to come home. Actually, yes. Yeah, that's that, what she was. Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. And I think ultimately everyone goes up into heaven at the end when she throws herself off a cliff because oh. she like true love that sacrifices. Yeah, uh, she was also supposed to be betrothed or something to another man. Uh, oh. Yeah, but she ended up nope sticking to falling in love with this painting and then eventually having to just coincidentally meet the person who was in the painting, uh, who was the Flying Dutchman. This could be Amori or Jerry Springer. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it's an but interesting opera. That it's an opera makes yeah. it classy. Interesting opera. Opera. This really is where a lot of uh, people's interpretation of the legend comes from. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's probably the most well thought out of the legends. You know, like yeah, well this is- written out, well thought out, and then. You get the pop culture, which we'll get into later. Yeah, you can kind of think of this as where the Dutchman kind of went from like the uh, sailing culture yeah. into like pop culture. Yeah, into pop yeah. culture. You can call it pop culture back in the day because that's oh, what it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, into a little bit of my fun and very fascinating thing, we're going to get into some ship designs. Yay! Because I have also got a little bit curious of, you know, you have this flying Dutchman, you have the ship, and everyone talks about the captain, but what was the ship? What was, was the ship? Well, apparently, was it a boat? It, no, it's not a bowl. No, it's not not a boat. It's a ship. It's not a bowl. No, you you gotta rem- you remember there's a very big difference between a boat and a ship, and people get very ang- angry about it. Sh- okay, <laughs> I have you, no comment. Don't you remember that? Maybe. Where's yeah. it from? Like anywhere, someone like you call you call a tanker or somebody calls it a boat, and then the sailors get mad. Like it's a ship. Okay, when in our lives have we been around like? A boat versus... Uh, no, I went on a cruise ship and then our friends used to have a boat back in Delaware, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so there's a difference. Yeah. So through a little bit of my digging and research, the one that I've pointed to as most likely being the ship that would be part of this legend was in the 17th and 18th century used by the Dutch East India Company called a flute. A what? A flute. A flute. A flute. A flute. A flute. A Yes, the flute is a... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how many times we'd be able to get through that without laughing. I think that was like... It was what, coming. Four? It was building. It was. It was pretty funny. So this is a pear ship, a pear-shaped hull-designed ship that was purely designed for speed and cargo. I'm sorry. I don't see anything pear-shaped being designed for speed. Well, I mean, when you have the hull up, it when you have a design like that, there's a low draft. Oh. So less of the... So less of the ship's hull is in the water, which reduces friction and, well, not friction, but drag on the ship, which allows it to move faster. Okay, so. It's what you would call a shallow draft. Okay, so what you're meaning is that if you cut the ship, like, vertically, it looks like a pear. Yeah, so. I was thinking if you cut it horizontally. No, no, no. So, like, if you're looking down the keel. So if you're looking down the keel of the ship and you cut okay, perpendicular. Okay, you got to use terminology to okay. people who don't know ships. So the, the keel front is of the ship. The bow. Oh, Steve. wait. 
Yeah, JP, I don't know what the bow is. That is okay. the bow of the back of the ship. All right. Uh, so we're going to, this is going to be a quick, fun segment called uh, Ship Terminology. Oh, yay. So Vocabulary quiz. The front of a ship, when I say the bow, that's the front. Okay. Stern is the back. Okay. Port is the left. Okay. Starboard's the right. Okay. The keel is the center line that runs from the bow to the stern of the ship. Okay. So that's like the backbone of the ship. When okay. like people talk about, you know, when they say like groundbreaking for a uh, for a new building, yeah, and that's like the big moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, laying the keel is like the bi- is that okay. the equivalent of that for building a ship? Sure. Again, where did this knowledge come from? Uh, Probably the research. Yeah, the okay. research. <laughs> um, so the yeah. So when I also say the draft. Um, Again, I'm not an expert if we happen to have a ship expert listening. Yeah, please but email But basically, us. the fact that it doesn't sit deep in the water means that it reduces the drag when it's sailing through. So Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, like a... Uh, I was literally thinking if you were looking vertically down on the ship, it looked like a pear. Oh, no, like, no, no. Like, that's what I was thinking. And that didn't make sense to me when you were like, oh, it's designed for speed. I'm like, how is that going to be fast? Yeah, so, no. <laughs> this is why fair. I did not become a ship architect. No, but I thought it would always be really cool. Well, you weren't really into architecture when you were younger, so that's true. that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the ship also was designed in such a way that it was great for carrying cargo. It didn't need a whole lot of guns because it was very fast, and it could f- operate with a minimal crew. Okay. So you free up more space for cargo because you had to carry less Efficiency. food. Efficiency. Yeah, less food and less living co- space for the crew. This was one of the most commonly used ships for trading, mm-hmm. which would have been... It was also adopted in uh, different versions by different nations. Okay. So uh, you do kind of see this design used a lot when you see versions of the Flying Dutchman. So yeah. that kind of would make sense with it. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so one of the other things, too, that I want to get on as well is why the Cape of Good Hope? Yes. Um, yeah. There seems this... to be that kind of showed up in quite a few of the, the legends. Yes. So the reason being is that... Um, And we're going to kind of backtrack here to 1488, when the first European uh, circumnavigated the Cape of Good Hope, Bartholomew Diaz. Yes, good job, Bartholomew. And I know some of you are wondering, but when the Egyptians did it way back when? I'm like, well, I don't really, we don't really. That's the story's out on that one. There must be a very small group of some people, (laughs) because... History nerds. Yeah. Uh, This was an attempt to find a new trade route to India. And while rounding the Cape of Good Hope, uh, his expedition never made it to India, and had to ultimately go back because of troubles that ultimately resulted in him naming the two southern capes that had to go around for Af- Africa the Cape of Needles. I'm not going to do the Spanish translation. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. And the Cape of Storms. The Cape of Needles and the Cape of Storms. Yes. Uh, Interesting names. Cape of Needles because of the rocky outcrops and the Cape mm. of Storms because... I think uh, we can figure that one out. Yeah. Because <laughs> of, of the storms. Caused by cur- mixing of Atlantic and Antarctic currents. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, despite meeting his goal of actually rounding Africa, uh, King Zhao II deemed the expedition a failure. And in order to not dissuade travel, had the Cape of Storms renamed to the Cape of Good Hope to symbolize the good hope of trade with India. Or the good hope of possibly getting across it. Yeah, because ironically, it's still a very perilous uh, shipping area. And yeah. ships as late as the 1980s were still sinking around the Cape of Good Hope. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. 
So I think, Bar- and to give a little bit of closure, Bartholomew Diaz died in 1500 while captaining several ships through a storm just off the Cape of Good Hope. <laughs> was uh, this after it was renamed the Cape of Good Hope? Yep. <laughs> so it was not very good for him. No. Now, Diaz... Not very hopeful either. Now, it's not likely that Diaz's ship is attributed to it because uh, most likely Diaz used a Caraval-class ship. And while ideal for sailing along the African coast, it doesn't really look like any of the portrayals that we see of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, so like... The idea of the legend was there for him, but the structure of the ship, not necessarily. Yeah, so the ship doesn't really line up with what you see a lot of uh, paintings of, which first attributes that nobody really was attributing to this, plus a lot of the sources I found never attributed uh, Bartholomew Diaz as the captain. Say attributed one more time. Attributed? (laughs) (laughs) You bastard. (laughs) Never, yeah, he was never... um, Pointed to as the captain of the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, otherwise he'd be the captain of the Flying Portuguese. Ha-ha. <laughs> which are Spanish, but yeah, it doesn't have the same ring as Dutch. Dutch, yeah. Uh, all right, so that's kind of what I got a bit on the history, other than that... Oh, oh hang on, found something down here. Oh, so, you get a little surprise in your notes, a little Easter egg, if you will? Uh, I do actually have two, and we'll quick get on to that with the... Uh, We'll bring into some of the modern, more modern versions of the Flying Dutchman. Yes, because there are modern versions of it. So, as we all know and uh, mostly love, Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you know, the third one. Take it or leave it. I mean, I'll be honest. I liked them. I thought they were good. I enjoyed them. It's pure entertainment. You know, yeah. I'm not here for a super deep story when I'm coming to a Disney pirate movie that's I, based off of a ride. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the best ride to movie translation yeah. I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely better than The Haunted Mansion, even though I will watch The Haunted Mansion movie a million times around Halloween. I have actually not seen that in years. Oh, God. It's it's one of those so bad it's good movies. Yeah. But I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean is actually like a so good it's good. But yeah. again, maybe for me, uh, only the first three, although the most recent one was pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, but, was, it was okay. But anyway. So interesting thing is that when they were designing the Flying Dutchman ship for the movie... The one with the mouth. Yes. They actually did use a Dutch feut ship... A feut! As, uh, ...as kind of the basis for the design. Would you judge me if I named my dog Feut, if whenever I get one? No, I would actually love that. Okay. That our, our dog is named after a... Oh, so 18th... we're getting a dog now? Well, I mean... I mean, I would love that your dog would be named yeah, after an 18th... Thought. After a 17th century ship. <laughs> You That's... can be the dog's uncle. Fine. But anyway, <laughs> so that, and then a lot of the aesthetics of the ship, like, you know how there's intri- intricate designs and yep. they have, like, the mouse over the cannon portholes? Yep. That was actually inspired by a Swedish warship called the Vasa. The Vasa. The Vasa was built in 1628 by the orders of King Gustavus Adolphus, one of the greatest names in that history. That is a really awesome name, actually. Nope, that's that's going to be my dog's name. <laughs> Gustavus Adolphus? Gustavus Adolphus. I love it. The royal monarch of our home. So here's the funny thing, though. This was when Swedish really wanted to project its naval power. And the problem is that the person who designed the ship it kind of sucked. Like, the ship's design was incredibly unstable, but people wanted to keep the timeline and didn't want to upset the king. 
So nobody don't want to upset Gustavus. So Adolphus. nobody, yeah, nobody really raised any alarms about the design of the ship and how it was very unstable. No, they just kind of let it go. Yeah, and there was actually one great story where. Uh, as they were getting the ship ready, they uh, did a stability test, which back then meant the crew ran back and forth from port to starboard to see how stable it was. Apparently, it took a grand total of three times of doing this before the captain stopped the test for oh, no. fear that the ship would capsize. No. No. Yeah. So this makes me think of that one scene. I think it's in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yep. Where the rock and the ship. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, had, like, the, okay. This this scene would have gone, like, five, would have it, been. It would have been, like, two seconds. Yeah. If they were using that ship. Not to cut you off here, but, like, we're talking about this. We're talking about the Flying Dutchman. And I'll be honest, it really feels like Disney did their homework with this because there are so many things from Wagner's references to both of the legends, like both of the versions of the legends that I said, to the type of ship used to how to do a stability test that show up in the movies. Yeah, I will give them credit here. They definitely did their research into history. And I mean, I can't knock them because, yes, we all know that that's based, that the opera was based off of another opera. Yeah, and, based off of another opera, but based off of another opera. I will tell you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, I've done my damnedest to find the origins of this myth, and this is there's really not much further you can there go is. back. Honestly, JP, I really think that, like we said earlier, it just sounds like this was a bunch of people that were on a ship coming up with stories. Uh, maybe they were tipsy. Maybe they were a little crazy. Maybe, maybe they had an experience. Maybe they had. Maybe they had an enlightening experience. Stranger things have happened yeah. on the seas. I have a feeling that that's where it came from, and then it just kind of grew. Yeah, so uh, do you want to know what happened to the Vasa? Obviously, that's why we're here. Mind you that this stability test happened before they put the masts and the guns and everything else on it. Oh, jeez. And uh, they apparently kept going with it because nobody wanted to tell the king that his prized ship was unstable. Not. Oh, of course and not. And on the... lose your head. Yep, so on the day of its maiden voyage, crowds flocked down to the sea harbor, lined the coastline to watch the ship make its maiden voyage, mm -hmm. and the ship made it a grand total of two miles. Hell yeah. Before it left the safety of the harbor and the surrounding cliffs that blocked the wind, as soon as it passed the oh cliffs God. and was exposed to the uh, inland, inland winds, yep, it blew right over. Did everyone survive? Nope. Oh, nope. no. Nope. People died. No. And, uh, I don't like that. No. Although the ship was eventually found, was raised, and now actually sits in the Swedish, the Swedish Maritime Museum. So you can go and visit it. We need to ask our friend if she's been there. It's. I've seen photos of the Vasa. It is a freaking cool ship. It just... It, it just didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's... And it really does look a lot like the Flying Dutchman from Pirates of the Caribbean. That's what you call a big oopsie-daisy. Oh, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> that's one way of putting... Um, Killing a bunch of people. Engineering and incompetence yeah. and causing the death of many sailors. Yeah, it's just not... It's not good, no matter which way you slice it or dice it. Yeah, so that was... Um, so that was kind of a cool thing that I found with the Pirates of the Caribbean, that they really actually did... They did do their research. Yeah, and they... And I mean, that, it's Disney. Like, what? It's it, Disney. Hey, it made me feel damn good when I found out that they also were using the flute, because then that was mm -hmm. like, I'm like, yes, I am on to something. <laughs> I have figured something out. This is great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
So obviously we've talked about Wagner. We've talked about Pirates of the Caribbean. We talked about Portuguese or Spanish explorers. God, I can't. Why did I not write that down? It's okay. But uh, the Flying Dutchman does show up in a couple other pop culture um, things like shows, comic books. Uh, just to name a few, the biggest one, at least uh, other than um, obviously Pirates of the Caribbean, SpongeBob SquarePants. Hey. We love the Flying Dutchman in SpongeBob SquarePants. I feel like he goes through an existential crisis. Tail. What? You know, the episode where he wears the sock over his little ghostly tail. Yeah, that's why I feel like he goes through an existential crisis during that time. That's fair. <laughs> the Flying Dutchman has also been featured in Scooby-Doo in a 1959 comic book where um, Uncle Scrooge, Donald Duck, and Huey, Dewey, and Louie meet the Flying Dutchman uh, in an anime called One Piece in a Spider-Man cartoon called Return of the Flying Dutchman. Um, and other shows that it has appeared in are uh, Fantasy Island, The Twilight Zone, Andromeda, and an episode of Supernatural. Okay, one time later we'll have to come back to the fact of how apparently a New York superhero, teenage superhero came across a Dutch ghost in South Africa. It might not have been in South Africa because let's be real, I don't think SpongeBob, he lives in a pineapple under the sea, but I don't think pineapples are native to South Africa. I don't think they are either, but they're also not native to Hawaii. No, but, but that's another story. That's that is an and also I don't believe that Sandy could get her squirrel bubble to South Africa to the Cape of Good Hope. That would not be a good place to have the squirrel bubble. Well, anyway, we'll leave this debate to uh, yeah, online. You guys can figure this out. And last little fun fact I have here is the Flying Dutchman is actually a mascot of a Lebanon Valley College here in PA. The mascot actually refers to the college's location in PA Dutch County. So that's a little bit different of a Dutchman. Yeah, Probably not... a little closer to like a Quaker, but they call it the Dutchman. Yep. Go fighting Quakers. Go fighting Quakers. Uh, oh my God. I totally forgot. People have actually seen, claimed to see this ship though, right? What? Well, what? I, no. We, yeah, we, do we... Yeah, we did cover that, right? Or did we not? I don't think we talked about that. No, no okay. we have to talk about that. That's important. Right. Uh, obviously, like many ghost stories, you do have sightings and people who claim to have seen this ship. Yes. Um, That's why we're here. Now, a lot of them actually do come from people off the coast of South Africa. Who, that makes sense. Even in today's modern uh, ship industry where everything's diesel, yeah. nuclear power. Uh, they still I'm sorry, what? Yeah, nuclear power. Nuclear power ships. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that was a thing. What? What do you think? What did you think aircraft carriers were? Big boats. That. Oh my God. Okay. I'm gonna have to have a conversation with you about that because yeah, half the the modern nuclear navy. Okay. Um. Yeah, I had no idea this was a thing. My mind is blown. Could just keep talking. So there have been many who have claimed that during storms around uh, the Cape of Good Hope, uh, they have seen sailing ships. Uh, yeah, ships that are definitely not placed during that time frame. Yes, our mm -hmm. time. So yeah. a lot of them have been that. Some claim that the Flying Dutchman is an omen of doom and death if you are to see it. Mm, yeah. Uh, which, you know, obviously I have a few questions because if you're getting all these sightings, how is it an omen How's of everybody death? Still? Yeah. Maybe they told people before they died. Like, it's it's not like the, in the Akershus episode where you see the dog and then you die like three days later. You know, like this, yeah. I, this, I don't think this one's as immediate. That would be kind of weird if you're in the middle of a raging storm in the ocean 
and you see this ship that's an omen of death, mm-hmm. and then, you know, say you slip on a banana peel three days later in port. <laughs> just someone just Mario carded your ass. <laughs> like, oh, that one definitely saw the Flying Dutchman. Yep. Let's just toss that banana peel right over there. Yep. And not not the great epic storms that have claimed no. so many so many ships throughout the decade. No, it's definitely the a banana peel. Nope. So one of the most famous uh, was in July 11th, 1881, by future British king, uh, King George V. King George V. And his not bro- to be confused with Jonathan Groff on Broadway. Yes, and his brother Prince Albert, who, contrary to popular belief, was not in a can. He was not. No, I mean he was in a. I mean, unless you want to call the ship a tin can, but, you know, that was a British Navy destroyer. I, I like Prince Albert in a can. And their, tu- and their tutor, John Neil Dalton. Now, according to the logbook, at 4 a.m., they wrote, The Flying Dutchman crossed our bow. They're kind of driving straight to the point. Is bow the back or the front? The, the front. Because you can see I we already this forgot thing. this. Uh, listen, I'm hungry. Okay, okay. Okay, I forgot this. All right, so... <laughs> While moored, okay, so past the front. Yes, while Got moored it. in the Bass Strait off the coast of Melbourne, uh, they described seeing a strange red light as what was identified as a brig. And I actually have here as a quick definition. A brig is a two-mast sailing ship with a square with a square rigging, which means perpendicular to the keel. So if you remember, the keel is the spine. It's the spine, yeah. yes. So this that ran... one I remember. I just yeah. I, it's the the bow, the stern, the port, and the starboard. Those I those get get messed up with. Yeah. So this is differentiated from a brigantine ship with which just has one squared sail and then one gaff mainsail, which runs more along the keel, the triangle. Can you tell my eyes have glazed over? Yes, I have. Okay. And this also... I need a visual. I'm a visual learner. Yeah. Okay. I've, I'm sorry. The ship description thing is not great for podcasts. So <laughs> We're point, just figuring this out now towards the end of it. Yeah. So <laughs> point being, it we does... We are a professional podcast. Point being, Briggs don't look like flutes. Uh, <laughs> that was your point? That was your... <laughs> kind of. Maybe. Bricks don't look like flutes. <laughs> Is that going to be also on another t-shirt? Oh my god, that's funny. Uh, maybe. Okay. Anyway, uh, they claimed to have seen the ship and it then vanishing without a trace. They were not the only ones to witness it, however, as the officer of the watch and the quarterdeck midshipmen both witnessed it as well. Now, keeping in line with the Dutchman's reputation being an omen of death. Oh, no. At 1045, oh, no. again in the logbook, was reported that the midshipmen who also claimed to have seen the ship uh, fell off the fore topmast and was, in quote in the logbook, smashed to atoms. Do you think he slipped on a banana peel up in the crow's nest? Uh, maybe. It doesn't, the logbook did not specify what he slipped on, but okay. just that he fell off. So, again, uh, everybody, if you are sailing on a ship, do not bring bananas with you. Got it? Okay. We good? <laughs> that's my little That's my little ditty for this episode. Yep. Uh, and then one last thing I have is that the legendary ship is often described as having blood red sails. Ooh. So, so not like the... No. No. 
Okay, sorry. I was thinking about in Pirates of the Caribbean how the Black Pearl has black sails, but then I got that confused with the Flying Dutchman because that is not the Flying Dutchman. That is the Black Pearl. Nope. And okay. quite annoyingly enough, in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, you do not get to fight the Flying Dutchman. Just a nondescript ghost ship. That's a missed opportunity right I know. There. Does I was... someone have the rights to the Flying Dutchman? I don't know, but like... You, you, d- you do... might. Yeah. yeah. You do... Yeah. I mean, you do get to fight a nondescript ghost ship, which I just... I'm like, okay, that's the Flying Dutchman, which... Yeah. You know, nothing like blasting, you know, I love how in the games now it's just gotten to the point where you're basically like, oh, here's the giant myth that everyone knows and fears. Let's Fight go it. beat, yeah, let's go beat the crap Fight out it. of it. Yeah, beat the <laughs> shit out of it. That's like, where we're at. Oh, yeah, no, like in Odyssey, it's just like, here is Cerberus, the guard dog of the underworld. Fight now, it. Yep, now go kick his ass. <laughs> That's great. But I, I think I need to play this game. I don't really play video games, but I feel oh like God, we need yes. to play this game. Yes. Okay. We, we okay. Will. We'll, will. We'll do this. I will pick the right one and we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to capture my attention. All right. Okay. Uh, so that's basically kind of what I've gotten for the Flying Dutchman as we wormed our way through operas, uh, Port- movies, Spanish legends, slash Portuguese, explorers, paintings, yeah, love. women jumping off of cliffs and uh engineering mishaps yeah that that was an adventure that was that was an adventure around the cape of good hope because <laughs> it was stormy it was rocky but it ended up great fantastic well uh you got anything else i mean i guess we just really want to say thank you to chris for editing this episode um good luck and <laughs> want to say thank you to Megan for designing our amazing logo. She's awesome. We love her. And please, if you got anything else to add to the conversation or n- any new information, find us on uh, Instagram and uh... Instagram at SpookyUPodcast and email us at SpookyUPodcast at gmail.com Obviously, this will all be in the show notes which I never mentioned in any other episode but like it'll, it'll be there because yeah. and... we'll, we'll do that. And if you have any uh, complaints or you want to angrily rant about us, remember we are scary college tech. <laughs> Fear tech. Yeah. Um, and don't forget to rate and review us. We are a new podcast. We're starting off. Um, tell your friends about us. If you like us, of course. If you don't like us, that's fine. Um, but like, <laughs> come on, rate and review us. Be nice. Have fun. We're all here to just enjoy a spooky community together. All right. Well, with that, uh, have a great day. Class dismissed.